this, let me officially introduce you guys. This is my sister Ava, and then do you like to go by Adrian or Miss Adrian or do you Adrian? Have, Adrian. Okay. So first of all, thank you for doing this. I was honored for you to ask me, so thank you. Yeah, it was it was exciting. You are in Ohio, am I correct? Okay. Yeah, is that where you're like originally from? You grew up there, or I was born and raised in Canton, Ohio. And when people ask, you know, what is Canton? We are the home of the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, I yes. knew why that Which sounded I familiar. I know nothing about because <laughs> I know nothing about football. I'm so ignorant oh. when it comes to it. So, <laughs> oh my goodness, that is like the biggest celebration around here. I uh-huh. mean, when all the stars and the athletes come out, and my husband and I, we would always take vacation during that time because we were in walking distance to the Hall of Fame. So oh, we were like, that's, <laughs> that's cool. That'd be good to go yeah. and visit. It though, I mean, you know, just for the historical purpose of it, even if you're like not a sports fan per se, so then it's safe to say that the whole area goes crazy from Super Bowl time. Yes, indeed. Yes, and you can um, actually volunteer uh, to work the festival. And I have friends who have actually worked with a lot of the celebrities. You know, it's a lot of fun. But for me, you know, I got tired of it. As a little girl, I was a majorette and I was also in the band. I was um, actually the first African-American saber twirler. You know, when you twirl the swords Uh in our high school band. And so from age, I want to say 10 up to 16, I was in every Pro Football Hall of Fame festival. So parade. So I'm like, Paraded out on festival out. <laughs> and you said, time to hang yeah, out. That's so cool. Else. Yeah, but it, it is a nice celebration. It really is. And, and they're building up the Yeah. Yeah, so that's fun. Now, did you ever at any point leave the area for whatever you know purpose, like maybe live somewhere else, or you just stayed there your whole life? Yeah, I left um after uh my husband and I divorced my son's father. Mm-hmm. I moved to Virginia mm-hmm. uh, for about a year and then Eastman, Georgia for about a year. And then I just brought my little self right back to Canton. <laughs> and I've been here ever since. <laughs> you know, so my it, son was like three. Isn't it weird how like where you grow up for most people, because this has come up so much for us, what you call home, like it's hard to find that anywhere else, right? I mean, yes. it, I know some people that do leave, you know, the place they were born and raised for most of their life, they leave and they find home somewhere else and they, it clicks for them. But right. a lot of people always tend to maybe go out for a little bit, test the waters mm-hmm. doing something else, and they just yeah. come back because nothing feels like that community yeah. where they grew up in. Right. Uh, my brother, um, I have an older brother. He's three years older than me. He moved to Norfolk. Well, he was in the Navy. Mm-hmm. And so he was stationed in Norfolk. So he actually lived there and then moved to Miami. And he was gone for about, oh, 25 years. And then he moved back here. And <laughs> he's been here ever since. Yeah. The same thing happened to us. We left for a very long time. Um, well, we were born in, in Juarez, Mexico, both her and I. But, you know, we, we basically grew up here. We just came back and I didn't think I would to be honest there was a point in my life where I was like I don't think I'm gonna go back I think the older I get the more like melancholic I get about you know remembering what it was like and that sense of family community and we end it right back <laughs> now my, my grandson Jackson you've seen him on Facebook mm-hmm. he loves uh, hot weather mm-hmm. he's never been to the beach which we're gonna rectify that but he said Grammy when I go to college I'm going somewhere where it's warm and if I don't go to college and go into the military or whatever. I want to be stationed where it's warm. Now, he's one person I think that would leave because <laughs> he just likes the weather he loves hot weather yeah yeah well I mean and it's like that for a lot of people I have friends who have left and they have really settled somewhere else and they just you know they're they're content they're happy where they're at and they just don't they miss home or maybe like the people back home but right they don't have like a huge desire to come back so I mean it does happen but yeah. I wanted to um there's so many things about you because we've kind of They'd connected for a while now, for a few years. I'm sure maybe, maybe Carla, Carla, yeah, because yeah. Carla's her niece. 
and uh, mm-hmm. Carla and I had already been connected for a while and we just connected. And I think mm-hmm. I came into your life, sort of, <laughs> when you were working on your first cookbook. Yeah. Right? Oh, my, first, first, my first book. Yeah. yeah. Your first book. And I think that yeah. was all raw vegan food, correct? Um, No, it was actually, and I have my book right in front of me here. <laughs> yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And it was a book about transitioning uh, you know, into eating plant-based. Mm-hmm. And even though um, I'm primarily, uh, I call it the 80-20 rule. This is what I was taught when I started out with Hallelujah Acres, and we can get into that. But mm-hmm. 80-20 means that you're eating 80% raw, 20% cooked. So you can have one cooked meal a day. That's what mm-hmm. the 80-20 is. So, okay. Yeah. yeah. And then you slowly transitioned into just more raw vegan. Is that is that where you're at now? Or you're still keeping it 80-20? Um, it just depends on in the wintertime because it's so cold here. I don't hold myself to that. But in the spring, summer, fall, yeah, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm definitely mostly raw. Yeah, well, the weather, right? Kind of permits right. it. Yeah. yeah, see here, I mean, we have cooked meals just because you know the kids kind of enjoy it but that's so hot that one could definitely just do fruits and vegetables and just keep it all cold because it's so hot and you know because even being raw that doesn't mean it's it's not hot you know you can Mm -hmm. warm up your foods to 114 116 degrees so it Mm -hmm. takes that chill off oh that's good to know that's a good thing to know (laughs) she's so thanks that sounds doable now (laughs) right Anything is, under 117 degrees or uh, lower is considered raw. Yeah. Okay. Is there a particular reason why you decided to like, what, what was your journey like to get to this point where you decided to introduce plant-based vegan food? Like, was there a reason or you just kind of like fell into it and liked it and then continued it on? Well, you know, it, it was definitely a God thing or, or spirit universe. I normally refer to God as source, but I'm going to say God and. In 2000, I was power walking in the park. Mm-hmm. And I actually talk about this in my book. And I remember the exact corner I was rounding. And there was this voice in, in my heart. And it said, what are the first four letters of healthy? And I said out loud, heal. And then the next question was, what are the first three letters of diet? And I said, die. And then it came to me, I want you to start sharing with people about healthy eating. And immediately I said, I'm not a nurse. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I can't do this. Mm-hmm. And I fought and fought and fought. And But I started doing my research online about healthy eating. And in 2006, I finally said, okay, because you know, when, when you're, you feel led to do something and you just put it in the back of your mind, it just gnaws at you. Yeah. So finally, yep. <laughs> yeah. 2006, I decided, okay, I'm going to go ahead and do this. And I didn't know anybody in the Stark County area where I live, especially mm-hmm. being African-American that was even talking about healthy eating. Mm-hmm. So I, I started out with Hallelujah Acres mm-hmm. and that's where I, I went to North Carolina for a three-day training there. And that's where I got certified as a health minister and their principles are 80% raw, 20% cooked. So uh. it started back. And then you've never gone back because since I remember, you've been very consistent. If anything, you sort of almost refined what it is that you want to apply for for yourself, your own personal life. Yeah. Now, there have been times where I've fallen off the wagon Mm -hmm. and... (laughs) And, you know, like it I, happens I to people, all of us. Right. Yeah. And, but I tell people, don't beat yourself up. Now, did I ever go back to the sad diet, which is the standard American diet? No, mm-hmm. never went back and said, OK, I'm just going to stay there. But, you know, I've had my my highs and my lows. So, but yeah, I, I think I can say that I've been pretty consistent all of these years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's rough. You know, my my sister and I will where we were born in Mexico, raised here. And the way we grew up eating, although a lot of the Mexican cuisine really can be considered plant-based, the majority of it. Then you add like the meats and stuff, you know, and then, but for the most part, a lot of their very basic nutritious foods really are plant-based. So it's easy in that sense because there were things we knew to put Mm -hmm. together and we could just develop from there. But culturally speaking, it's not, you still have a lot of animal product included and 
and it's not viewed as something that comes to us as a group of people very, you know, naturally. So we were talking recently with someone about that, that sometimes people within our own community kind of look at that, like, why are you eating that way? Like, somehow you're not a part of this culture anymore, or you're trying to stay away from it. Did, do you think that that's kind of what, like, did you experience that too, growing up African-American and then now trying to share this with your community? Do you face the same challenges? I did. I, I was really surprised at the resistance and even the anger. Um, my husband was a pastor yeah. and, and, you know, he's transitioned. Uh, he had a very aggressive form of Alzheimer's and we can even talk about that if you want to. Yeah. But he was always very supportive. And so we had a, a pretty large African-American church. And when he's actually the one that said, Adrian, pursue your, your dreams because I love to cook. Always mm-hmm. love to cook. Um, didn't get that from my mother. That gene passed my mom. Uh, the only thing she could make <laughs> Mine was too. <laughs> my, my mother's mother was an excellent cook. But anyway, my husband really encouraged me and uh, let me have seminars and things at our church. And I was really amazed. Uh, I had one particular individual who I really looked up to her and she got angry with me. And she said, why are you doing this? You know, she was a a trustee in our ministry. Why are you doing this? You know, and I just felt so crushed. But I said, no, I'm going to keep on. And I think because people didn't understand the lifestyle. And then if one did their research, the African-American traditional uh, way of eating was vegetarian, vegan. Um, you know, if they go all the way back past the soul food, you know, uh, in the slave times, and, and of course that was the food that we were given, you know, the worst of the worst of the pig or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. if, if you would, if one would research past that, we were basically vegans. And something else I found out, um, in the African American culture, when slaves were brought here, and, and they refused to eat the food. And so they were starving. And then, uh, you know, sl- slave masters or whoever, they found out that they really liked okra. So they started getting that brought over and started growing it and everything. And because and I love okra. That's funny. But uh, yes, yeah, so though, yeah. the traditional soul food is not what is considered to be a soul food now. But yeah, I had a I had a lot of resistance. And I think it comes from like a lack of you know, maybe just fear, fear of change because I think we all resist things. Uh, maybe you know, maybe different things. Maybe like I have resisted change in many other areas. So I think when there's a, a sudden change, something that's being presented to you in a different light, something you're not used to, you know what I mean? That like our first reaction is usually to just resist it, you know? Right. Um, Push back. Right. Yeah. I did experience that. But I do see more African Americans now taking on the lifestyle yeah. and sharing it. So it's like being normalized now, you know? Um, and the same with, with like the Hispanic culture. So I'm I'm glad because now people are at least getting used to seeing it, you know, and generations to come won't be as, they'll probably be more receptive to it and maybe embrace it a little bit more, right? And, you know, when when I would teach my classes, and I even do this now, I tell people we we eat for fuel, not to feast. Mm -hmm. And it's like we want to have a feast of food every day. And the body really doesn't need as much food as we think. And so, uh, you know, it, it's like I try to get people just to change how they think about food mm-hmm. and, and, you know, then why it's necessary. And then I, I had to get really a creative. I said, OK, I'm going to teach this. And, and at that time it was in the black church. Now I've broadened it to, you know, mm-hmm. just whoever. Mm-hmm. But I knew, OK, I had to come up with something for collard greens. Everybody loved collard greens. And now I will put my... <laughs> You should. You, oh, you got to go to my group page and, and I love collard greens. Oh my god! Yes, I'm going to go look because my father-in-law he grew up in uh-huh. the south as well, and he loves collard greens. So maybe if we can get like a healthier option in there. Yeah, I'll have to invite you to my group. So I'll have to, I'll have to get the um, correct spelling of your name so I can look you up on Facebook. Mm-hmm. But I okay. will put my uh-huh. collard greens against anyone's. <laughs> I really will. There you but go. That's I, a guarantee. Yeah. With, um, 
and sweet potato pie. I have a raw one and a cooked one. Oh, yeah. That's my weakness. I do want to go back to your husband, if, if it's okay. But sure, sure. I have noticed, because he passed not very, he transitioned not very long ago. And I mean, it's very recent. Yeah, it feels like it just happened. Like, it's so recent. Um, But I noticed, just from looking on the outside, that after he transitioned, even though you already had, like, a purpose and you were very set on which way you wanted to go to me it feels like after he transitioned you almost something ignited inside of you that really was like now I'm laser focused and you really just took on this lifestyle not just of eating but healing your spirit, your mind, right? And all, trying to like regulate all emotions. And there's so much peace. When I think of that, there's so much peace around that because you, he's still very much present in your life. You, yes. you refer to him often and you, you talk about him often, but there's so much peace. Um, and and I, I don't want to be disrespectful to other people who grieve differently, right? Because everybody grieves however it feels best for them or however they're able to. But I feel like yes. your grieving for him is very peaceful, very loving, very much about happiness and embracing, right? How did that happen? Like, what was it like for you? Well, you know what? And and when I talk about it, you know, there's not sorrow. It's just, it's gratefulness. And like you said, peace. When uh, Warren, I started noticing things back in 2013, um, you know, differences. And he was one who never had to have notes when he taught or preached and he started typing out his messages and then when he would uh, teach he would maybe repeat the same thing a couple of times Mm -hmm. and then I had to have a uh, what do you call a stress test at the hospital and he took me there and then the nurse came in and he said she said is your husband okay because I have to keep redirecting him how to get to the room that you're in. And so, you know, we figured something was going on. So mm-hmm. fast forward a little bit. Um, when we realized and accepted that mm-hmm. we were going to have this journey with, with Alzheimer's, he took me on vacation. Uh, we went to Dominican Republic. That was mm-hmm. our last vacation. And he used to take me to Cancun. We went to Costa Rica, Jamaica all the time. He spoiled me. But we went to the Dominican Republic and he had a real serious talk with me and um, he prepared me, so to speak, uh, to deal with people, to deal with being alone. And and it really helped. And he told me something. He said, Adrian, if you think everything there is to know about God is in the Bible, you're sorely mistaken. You're going to have to dig deeper. I want you to really dig into your spirituality to find out who you are. And so I started doing that. And uh, the last two years of his life, when he was in a nursing home, I, I wish I could have had the conversations with him because I was so excited about what I was learning and all mm-hmm. of this. And I really believe, um, Julie, that he he prepared me during those two years to be without him mm-hmm. in the physical. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I I just started looking at uh you know, spirituality on a whole other level mm-hmm. and the peace, like you said, it just started rising up in me. And so I w- I started doing independent, um, pro- I became an independent provider working for Medicaid, you know, home health aid, mm-hmm. because seeing Warren in the nursing home and I wanting other people not to have to go that route if they didn't have to. And so I wanted to give back by working, you know, with people, helping them stay in the home. So I was doing that while I was going to the nursing home every day to see my husband. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I did that for about a year, uh, two years. Mm-hmm. And then the month that he transitioned, two weeks before he transitioned, the Lord spoke to my heart, you need to come out of this and be there for Warren. That was two weeks before. And then the week before he transitioned, the Lord spoke to my heart, you need to go buy a white dress. And so on his 22nd birthday, I went to the nursing home and he had a fever and he just really went quick. Birthday on the 22nd, he transitioned on the 24th. It was so sweet because our one of our favorite songs was Lovely Day. I and, was um, I was hoping oh, I you would share that. that. I was hoping <laughs> you would share that because I get chills. I 
I get chills. I think that was probably a gift. And I wish that all people would have this as a gift when they see a loved one transitioning. I, I yeah. just wait till you hear this out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, um, my husband, he was what they called a wanderer. So he liked mm-hmm. to walk all the time. Mm-hmm. And so when mm-hmm. he was able to walk, when he was in the nursing home, we would walk outside, walk around the um, building. And I would always sing that song mm-hmm. with him. And sometimes mm-hmm. he would, you know, snap his fingers like that or whatever, or try to sing yeah. with me. He had a beautiful voice. So mm-hmm. Um, the day day that he transitioned, some of his um, children, he has eight children. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have one biological son. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the children, the grandbabies were there in the room with me. And it's like, I knew that the time was coming. And so the hospice nurse was out in the lobby and I texted her and I said, it was time. So she came in and she said, are you going to sing your song? And so I sang the very, I was, I was laying in the bed with him, holding his hand. I sang the very first verse. And on the last word, he took his last breath. Mm -hmm. It was the most beautiful and peaceful. Like you sent him off. You sent him off in such a loving way. I, yeah. Like I get chills (laughs) every time. And I remember that you shared a a very like a snippet of just you holding his hand and I could hear just his hand and you could hear her singing um and I think because I think you told me later that you felt in your heart I think this is a moment where he's going to to leave the physical world and I wanted to have this moment for myself um and that's how I got to witness a little tiny bit of that but even that little tiny bit was like Oh, it hit me like a wave. So beautiful. Oh, thank you. No, and, and that um, clip that you saw was on the 22nd. That was on his mm-hmm. birthday. Mm-hmm. And it was just he and I in the room. Mm-hmm. And then two days, two days later, he transitioned. Transition. And I got to tell you this, too. This is, this is when I started telling people that love never dies. And your loved ones really are with you because we're created. We're yeah. energy. Okay. Mm-hmm. Energy doesn't die. It just transfers. And so he transitioned on the 24th. Two days later, I was laying in the bed and, you know, of course I'm hurting. I'm crying all of that, you know, cause I, I yeah. miss him. Right. Um, so I'm laying in the bed and you know how you're asleep, but you're awake. It, it, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I'm laying there and then all of a sudden I just felt excitement in the room. I can't explain it. And Warren was just big as life. If he came into the room, everybody just gravitated toward him. And I just felt this excitement. And I said, Warren, is that you? And then all of a sudden I felt him laying beside me, but it's energy. And then I felt this kiss on my lips and I, I I I heard in my mind, baby, you're going to be okay, and that was him. Yeah. It was him. Some people might not believe that, but mm-hmm. I knew it was him. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it it's just amazing. So you know, I know he's with me. I, I mean, the talks we had, he talked to me about if I want to date again, he was okay with me even seeing someone while he was still alive. I'm like, no, but you know, if you know him, you know, you'd understand that. But he was amazing. He, uh, when I uh, meditate a lot of times, I just feel his presence. He's in my dreams practically every night. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wake up and I say, okay, babe, I know you're here. Yeah. Yeah, that's why that's why when you talk about him, there's no I mean, you know, like you do feel like it's so sad that he doesn't get to be here and still witness her fit, you know, physically so that she can touch and hold him. Right. Um, and, And have that face to face conversation. But I never get a sense of you feeling like he's really gone. Because you do yeah. share a lot about him and, and, you know, little reminders of, oh, today would have been this and blah, blah, blah. But in such a loving, peaceful way, you know, like you're still sharing with this and with his energy, you're still sharing this, this journey. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things that has probably impacted me the most about 
about you, you know, your relationship with him. It was really, really wonderful to, to witness even from afar. And in doing that, you're keeping him alive for others as well. Yeah, yeah. His his yeah. his children um, come to me and they ask me, you know, different things because we were married. Well, it would have been 19 years. And, you know, they, they didn't know that he loved sunflowers or he liked to Aww. garden as far as plant, you know, planting things. And I have to share this. Um, early on, my husband gave me a nickname, AJ, which means a jewel. And so oh, that's okay. how I got a jewel rising because yeah. I, I'm rising up, you know, um, this, I don't yeah. want to say out of the ashes. I'm, I'm rising up out of fertile ground, you know, and yeah. he would be so proud of me. And, and I told the kids um, when he first transitioned, because it was hard, you know, when, when you have a blended family and, you know, all of that, it, it's just a lot. But I told them, I said, you know what? I said, dad had to go so we could grow because mm-hmm. we were kind of like in a, you know, a holding pattern with him being sick. But it's like when he yeah. went, everybody started to blossom into, you know, their their purpose and to a couple of my stepdaughters moved to Florida. They had been wanting to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my son, he was very close to my son, uh, seeing my son take off and do something that he wanted to do. So, yeah. Yeah, it's really, really nice. And now I know that's why you, the primary reason why you said, I'm going to walk other families the best way I can through similar situations with their loved one, because that's what you're doing now, right? Too, like you're helping them, guiding them, what the experience of Alzheimer's is like, caring for a loved one with it. Yes, I I actually had my very first support group meeting um, now I'm working with the Alzheimer's organization. We had our first meeting last month. And, you know, if there were some things we could have done differently, I would have. But Warren was a very private person. Mm-hmm. And and you have to honor, especially being mm-hmm. a spouse, you want to honor, you know, their request. And he really didn't want me talking about the disease or anything because he knew how people can gossip and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, if you could just do that yeah. for me until you can't do it anymore. And that's what I did. And, but I didn't have anyone, I didn't know anyone who had a spouse that was going through what I was going through. So, you know, I was kind of on my own, so mm-hmm. to speak. So when I joined the Alzheimer's um, organization, I really found out a lot, you know, about different um, books and, and resources and things. And, Unfortunately, in the African-American community, I don't know if this is like this for you, we tend to just want to kind of put things in the closet, don't want to talk about it, don't, you know, oh, we're going to pray it away. Well, prayer can be comforting and uplift yes. you and 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 it is a source of faith and hope for a lot of people but you yes. know the situation still remains right so. exactly so i'm really reaching out to people in the african-american community to come to the support group although anybody is welcome um and especially those who have spouses who have uh, traumatic brain injuries or brain cancer or alzheimer's or whatever you know just to come out and and learn and and know that there are others who are in the same boat or have been through and let's support one another. So yeah, that's one of the things Warren told me. He said, Adrian, when you're strong enough, if you can help somebody else, because he was always about service. He was Mm -hmm. always about sharing. Yeah. Well, going into ministry alone Mm -hmm. tells you that that's somebody who obviously had, you know, a a A wish, a desire to service, yeah, to be of service. A servant's heart, right. Did you guys ever have any idea of what it could have been? Was it genetics? Was it um, just different factors for him? Did you guys ever find that out? You know, um, with the research, there are so many things. I really believe that um, genetics has a lot to do with it. But just because you're genetically predisposed, I think that's the word, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that it has to go that way. I, I believe that what you eat, you know, how you take care of the body, stress, um, 
my husband was under a tremendous amount of stress as a pastor. Um, We also found out that he had some depression Mm -hmm. and depression. um, When when you have dementia or Alzheimer's, it's my understanding that depression is part of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. He was a smoker. And um, I'm not ashamed to say that, you know, some people want yeah. to hide, oh, the pastor smokes. Yes, he did. Okay. Yeah. Well, because, you know, you know, you know what? And, and this is, I'm so glad that you kind of touched on that because mm-hmm. we, I hate the idea that we try to like idolize pastors or spiritual leaders as more than human, right? They have flaws as well. And they have things that they struggle with in the flesh. So hiding it doesn't do anything for anybody. If anything, I think it helps to relate to that person more because it's like, here's this person who has his or her own set of challenges, but still pursues, you know, trying to do the best they can in service and be of service to others. Exactly. So I I just think your eating lifestyle, your mental health, uh, being genetically predisposed, all of that, you know, works together. But one thing I can say about Warren, um, he was starting to eat healthy like me probably the last eight years of his life. He still had his meat and I still fried the chicken. He loves shrimp and all of that. Mm -hmm. But he was more conscious. When he went into the nursing home, um, after about eight months, he had to be on a a feeding tube because he forgot how to swallow, which is one of the symptoms. Mm -hmm. And he had pneumonia six times in one year because he aspirated. Mm -hmm. So he had lost a lot of weight. He had gotten down to like 140 something pounds. And he was a tall man, right? Six two. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was six two, you know, and he was just wasting away. And at that point, I wasn't ready for him to leave. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so I talked with the the, uh, nutritionist at the nursing home Her name is Julia, and we call her our angel. I said, could you please find some type of um, feed for him that is vegan, um, non-GMO and all that? And she found something called Liquid Hope. Mm -hmm. And Liquid liquid Hope, you don't have to be on a feeding tube. Mm -hmm. You can use it as a meal replacement, you know, and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Anyway, ended up that Medicaid paid for it. So uh, along with another, um, you know, liquid or whatever you call Mm -hmm. it that, you know, he was taking too because you couldn't uh, use a Liquid Hope Mm 24-7. But he went from 130-something pounds back up to his weight in high school, which was 100 and. 70 something. I made sure that he had healthy feeding tube stuff. I had the essential oils. I was rubbing his feet with lavender because that calms, Mm -hmm. you know, a person. Mm -hmm. And every night I would anoint his feet or rub his feet with the oils. And we made sure we put the lotion on him. I was there um, helping bathe him and all of that. Mm -hmm. And they said that outside of the Alzheimer's, his health was great. There's also a lot of resistance when it comes to holistic practices um, Mm -hmm. around health. And I understand it because sometimes some people do come and try to say, oh, this essential oil is going to cure your cancer. I mean, which is, (laughs) you know, it's out of this world, but they are very helpful tools paired with whatever treatment plan if you know if you are dealing with something very severe um, or or anything really paired with like western medicine they can Mm -hmm. bring a lot of relief in in areas that you wouldn't even think of like you know you say the lavender they it does have very beneficial properties you know it has Mm -hmm. calming properties soothing properties um and just other other holistic practices that they don't they don't have to be I, I feel like me personally bringing them together can only give you the best of both worlds right and just help you be completely like well-rounded as a person right. so I, I do see there is a lot of opposition around that because they don't believe it or they think it's just like voodoo magic type of thing. Right. but it's not right. I mean it's nature you know it is you know it, it's funny um, because people who knew me oh, about five six years ago and then see where I'm at now a lot of people think I've lost my mind <laughs> and that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Oh, yeah. she's getting into that voodoo, uh, the, you know, all that. 
And, you know, at first it used to offend me. It doesn't now. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree with you, you know, holistic and Western me- medicine, there's a place for it and, and it can work together. Mm-hmm. But something that is saddens me is when I see plant-based people or, or people who are on the vegan diet and they condemn anyone who's eating animal product. And then you have a doctor. I've had a couple of doctors, if I talk to them about oh, I'm drinking uh, this tea or whatever. Oh, well, that isn't going to work, you know. And it's just sad. It is because, like I said, anything that's natural, while it may not necessarily, like I'm not claiming that it's going to heal you of some, you know, it's not going to cure Alzheimer's. It's not going to cure your cancer. It's not going to cure your pneumonia, right? It can Mm -hmm. help support your systems, the systems within your body so that they with whatever treatment you're taking, they can, you know, they can, they can thrive and they can better, you know, work and operate yeah. while you're going through it. Yeah. Like they can go hand in hand and they one doesn't have to invalidate the other. They're both, you know, because I don't think that, for instance, a person should um, reject uh, Western medicine in a doctor's treatment plan if they're like, hey, this is what you need to do. By all means, follow that to the T, right? right? Um, Right. But it also doesn't help for the doctor to say, hey, if this holistic procedure brings you comfort, even if it's to reduce your stress, right? Yes. Yes. Then do it because the less stress that's in your body, the better that it even interacts with whatever treatment the doctor's giving you. So I don't see why there's anything wrong with that personally. Right. And, you know, stress leads to inflammation. Inflammation causes disease. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cardiologist I go to, because I, I had a heart attack, um, which is how Warren ended up in the nursing home. I have a rare blood disorder. At first, they thought the heart attack was stress, you know, working with my husband, but that wasn't it. Mm-hmm. So long story short, the cardiologist, uh, and I, I put this on Facebook, I, I went to see her what, about a month ago? And she told me, number one, I needed to release weight. That kind of ticked me off that I took that personally. That was- <laughs> yeah, because you're like, <laughs> I look good, okay? <laughs> she asked me, because she's really into yoga. Uh-huh. And she said, Adrian, you still doing your yoga? And I had fallen off. I wasn't doing it as often. Mm-hmm. But it was just so refreshing to hear a cardiologist say, okay, Adrian, you know, get back to what you know mm-hmm. to do. And so, you know, and, and it just, it was wonderful. It was wonderful. Yeah. And, you know, I have had very good experiences, not, not huge ones, not all the time, not often, but I have had more and more experiences with doctors who I will say, for instance, like we follow a plant-based diet and they're very supportive of that already. Like they don't even say, cause I have had years ago, a doctor say, well, it is important to have a little bit of animal protein. Um, I haven't had that in the last few years from anybody. Tell me that. Um, I have had one of the kids' um, pediatricians tell me it's okay to give, like, to use the oils. You just have to obviously be careful in how you're using them, you know, because there is also a way to use them responsibly and that they don't cause any harm. Um, you know, make sure they don't interact with any medicines or that you're like diluting them, all that. Um, and then I have had there was one time I thought I had a UTI and I'm so paranoid. I can't stand them because they're so annoying. Right. <laughs> and yeah. with the COVID habit, with COVID happening, they weren't uh, taking patients in the clinic. They were just doing the phone consults. And I'm like, yeah. how are they going to know if I have a UTI, like, how is this going to happen? Right. So she said, okay, well, you can come in and leave a urine sample. Right. And then we'll call you back. And she said, what are you doing in the meantime to try and help this? And I was like, well, I have a tea that supports kidney health and I have this and the several teas I was taking at the time. Cause I was like, I'm not going to let this get out of hand. And I was very surprised for her to say, oh, yeah, that's actually the best thing you can do right now. Like, just 
the teas, they do, they do have properties, you know, the ones you're mentioning, they do have really beneficial properties and they're going to help you continue taking in that water. Um, you know, if you can have some, some cranberries, if you want to do cranberry juice, that's fine too. But she was just like, oh yeah, yeah, no, 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 that's great. That's actually great. So, yeah, I, I do think that now doctors are a little bit more um, open to, yeah. to, you know, to just learning a little bit about it and seeing how that incorporated with what they know can bring the right. most benefits for their patients. It's fortunate, you know, that you your doctor, you know, agree, agreed with you. Mm -hmm. And I just wish there was more of that um, yeah. with COVID and all of the. Oh my gosh, all of the arguments between the vaccinated and non-vaccinated and the everybody it's like we're we're dividing, we're not coming together, you know? It, it's just sad. It just really is. I used to really say how I felt, you know, quickly. I'm like you and I'm like, no, I just have to back off and the more that I've gotten into meditation, the more that I've gotten into um being in stillness, it's it's easier for me just to breathe through some things because mm -hmm. I used to be, you know, and, and then I, I said, I don't want to be one of those angry plant based people or one of those angry vegans. You know? so, <laughs> I said, OK, you so come I'm out with the horns. You're evil. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Because there's been some stuff I remember. Um, well, this was just last week. I was looking at a, a holistic doctor's page. He's out of. um Canada. Mm -hmm. And he had taken out or was going to take out an ad in their major newspaper. And he said, I took back the ad because on the front page, they posted, um, if you are not um, vaccinated, just go ahead and die. On the front page. That's just newspaper. as hateful. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I was, oh, my goodness. And, you know, but I said, no, agent, just Calm down. <laughs> Get your sage. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Meditate 10 yeah. more minutes. It's We're just living in such a triggering time. You know, we are. so and many things. So many things. I think on both sides, a lot of it has to do with, like, fear. The fear of what might happen if you get it. What fear of what happened if you, if you don't get it, you know? So when they think about things like that, it's kind of like, okay, I would fearful of what would happen if I don't get vaccinated, you know? Any extreme reaction, whether it's pro or con, depending on what side you stand on, right? They're a result of fear. They truly are. Of not knowing. And I think just keeping that in the back of my head, or not even the back, of the forefront of my head now, because I have to make sure it's present. While I yeah. still don't agree with a lot of things, I try now very hard. More so than a year ago, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it's like yeah. you can have a little bit more compassion because you can mm -hmm. say, okay, this feels very real to them. This is, in right. fact, a very real fear, a very right. real, you know what I mean, feeling. And so yeah. I don't agree with you, but perhaps if we all take the time to feel that way and have mm -hmm. these conversations, maybe nothing's going to change. Maybe nothing will change in the end, of the, you know, at the end. But you now have a better understanding. Well, why is there such resistance resistance to the shot? Or why is there such resistance to not getting it or getting it? You know what I mean? And 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 you're probably gonna be able to at least get people to think more so like you if you come at it from that angle. And you, you know my my um tribe sister Nettie Chavers, she she has the saying flow in love. Mm -hmm. And I, to me, she's the epitome yeah. of flowing in love. When, when I think of Nettie, I just think of her just flow, you know, just flowing. Vibrating in the most yeah, <laughs> steady. Yeah. But, and, and so I'm, I'm learning um, by her example, again, also meditation that anything that I say or do, I want it to come from a place of love. Mm -hmm. And when I keep that in the forefront of my mind, it, it helps me to stay calm. It helps me to really um, 
think about why am I saying what I'm saying? You know, do I want to get a dig at you or, you know, do I, am I really wanting to help you or whatever? So no, I'm one of those, um, my, my other tribe sister, she has a program. She works with Enneagrams and she, oh man, she's another one that you might even want to consider interviewing when it comes to Enneagrams. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I'm not very knowledgeable about that. Oh boy. I wish I can explain it. I'll just say this much. Um, there are nine different types of characteristics that we all have mm-hmm. and we all have a d- divine essence. My two dominant ones, I'm a number two and a number eight. A number two, I want to do and help people. And sometimes I tend to go overboard to my detriment. So I have to reel it in. Mm-hmm. But a number eight will just cut you real quick. So <laughs> I'll go from a two to an eight. <laughs> Very quick. <laughs> so I've learned uh, through her program how to recognize I'm kind of gearing up to that eight, Adrian. Okay, pull it back. <laughs> Let's go back to a three, four. <laughs> yeah, to a three or something. But yeah, you're right. You know, sometimes it just, oh, it feels so good. I, I just it does. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? If I, mind or if I write it on a piece of paper and tear it up, but <laughs> Release it somehow. And you know what? I think that there's some misunderstanding or misconception that because you're being, you know, for instance, like flowing in love, you're coming from a place of love. You're now trying to communicate and like from a place of love. There's a misconception that that means you're kind of cowarding down, right? Because there's a fine line between me trying to be loving and understanding and objective. And then without you even realizing it, have people walk all over you. Right. But it doesn't mean that you can very much be a person who truly wants to listen to the other person who truly wants to understand and still stand in what you believe, especially when it comes to, for instance, like the talk about racism. I don't Mm. think that that's something that you should ever entertain with somebody else. You can try to understand why maybe that person believes the way they believe that that now translates and projects as racism and prejudice you can do that you still can stand up against that without fighting you know how a lot of people quote martin luther king about be peaceful and you know which i'm sure that was the way he would have liked to for everybody to get along but he was also a man that understood that sometimes it took to stand up and be courageous and fight not because you were the instigator but because you were literally defending your right to exist, to take space. And you were like, I deserve this. So if you're attacking me, I'm sorry, but now I'm going to have to defend myself and fight back. Right. My husband used to tell me, "Um, Adrian, you're too nice. (laughs) He said, Mm -hmm. you're just too nice. He said, and, and, you know, you let people walk over all over you and then your feelings are hurt and they're going about their business. Mm-hmm. And he said, you really, really have to look at what is it in you that makes you feel that you have to take all of this. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize that I crave validation and that that stemmed from childhood issues mm-hmm. that I needed to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and something early on in, in, in 2000, uh, when we got married and the Lord was dealing with me about talking about healthy eating and all of that. He gave me um, four steps and and I use this, you know, I mean, he just dropped this in my heart and I used it for me. Number one, I had to face the facts. I had to face that I crave validation and then I had to forgive myself because of me craving that I had unhealthy boundaries. I was just, you know, doing stuff that just didn't work for me. So I had to forgive myself, but I also had to forgive people who had done things to me in my childhood that Mm -hmm. caused me to, you know, need that validation. Mm -hmm. So I faced the facts, then I had to forgive, then I had to get focused. How do I get out of this space? What do I need to do? And that took therapy, it took educating myself, and then I moved forward. Mm -hmm. So, and you can use that in any area of your life. And sometimes I go through Step one, get to step three, got to go back to step two. It's Mm -hmm. a process. You have to face, okay, I've really screwed up. I haven't been eating right all these years. Uh Number two, I got to forgive myself for not taking care of the body temple like I should. Um, Number three, I got to get focused. What do I want? Do I want plant-based? Do I want raw vegan? Do I want vegetarian? Do I still Mm want to 
have a little bit of meat, get mm-hmm. focused on what that lifestyle is for you. And then you move forward. That's Make really interesting. Um, and Ada can totally vouch for what I'm about to say because she grew up with me. <laughs> but I too, for a long time, and, and I still struggle very much. So I'm a people pleaser. You know, like mm. I just, I just cannot, for a long time, I couldn't take confrontation. I just didn't want to upset anybody in the room because I, I didn't know how to handle it. I didn't like for, um, you know, emotions to rise high and then me have no control over it. I learned from childhood, you have to like take it all in, let everybody have whatever they have to release, right? Even if it's unhealthy and then you take it in because you can, you can take that. You can take people being upset with you and then you walk in the room and you're now calm and trying to be of service to them, but not because you're really trying to help them. You're just trying to ensure that they remain calm. That's really tough to break because it trickles down to every, every relationship you have, whether it's, you know, with a spouse or if you're single with a, with a boyfriend or a girlfriend, with your children, even right. Your neighbors, your mom, your, I mean, it trickles down to every part of your life and it's right. very consuming. You know, I, um, I learned so many lessons, especially when we started this journey with Alzheimer's. And even though I'm going to be 63, um, you never stop learning. You never stop growing. And when Warren and I were going through this journey, I felt very alone. I felt like there were people in the community that he had helped, we had helped, whatever, that really weren't there for us. And I was angry about it. I had a lot of anger and I had to process all of that. And I had to come to know that a lot of times people just don't know how to help. So they just totally stand back. It's not that they don't love you. It's not that they don't want to be there for you. They just don't know. And and, and it's scary. Your journey is scary. Mm -hmm. Uh, Looking at Warren and and the wonderful person that he was and then see him reduced to being in a wheelchair, being, you know, wearing depends and all that. It was hard for a lot of people to see. They didn't want to come see them that he was their hero, you know, and I internalized that as you didn't care. It wasn't that. When in reality, they probably were very saddened by seeing that and and they they couldn't understand why he wasn't the strong, you know, man that was there for them. Exactly. They didn't want to make it worse for you, maybe. Yeah, that too. That Mm -hmm. too. And so I really had to process all of that and and really and, and that's where even more peace came because the more I let go and I realized and this was really key for me. I can't control how people act. Oh, but you should have done this or why aren't you doing that? You can't control people. You can only control, I can only control me and my responses Mm -hmm, and all of that. And that really helped me to begin to walk even more in peace. It helped me to even walk more in love. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I just... That's what I'm, I'm about. I want to see people happy, healthy, mm-hmm. you know, um, just experiencing life on this side of the universe the best they can. But I also know that I can't uh, drag you there. Right. And so one thing I That's do tell people. That's a personal choice. Right. I, I'll tell people, don't waste my time. When mm-hmm. people come to me and, and they want to learn about healthy eating, if they start out with, well, I'm going to try. That word try lets me know you're not really in you're it. You're not because, in it. Yeah, you're not in it to win it, in my opinion. Or mm-hmm. when they come to me and the first thing they want to tell me is, well, um, I don't know if I can give up chicken or whatever. Don't waste my time because yeah. I'm going to come to you about plant-based. That's what I believe works. It, it works for me. If, if the person yeah. wants to go another way, Fine, but I'm not going to tell you, okay, eat plant-based, but eat grilled chicken or whatever. I'm not going to do that. I used to do that, you know, trying Uh to tippy-toe. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. <laughs> you know, and it's and it's even a disservice for them because, yeah, like, I mean, you are very obviously open about what it is that you're going to bring to the table, right? So they're not walking into this like... 
oh, I'm going to get away with. You know what I mean? And, and, and it's okay. Like, it's okay. If they think it's going to be hard and they don't think they're up for it, that's okay. You telling them, don't waste my time doesn't mean I don't want you to get better. It just means you're obviously not ready and you got to, you know, figure out what works for you for now. Yeah. Yeah. What works for you. And, you know, I have, I have girlfriends who they eat meat. I am so cool with it. I mm-hmm. went to um, a dear friend of mine, her 65th birthday party. And they, you know, asked me for um, my meal. What did I want? And I shared with them, you know, what I could eat. They had something wonderful for me. And then when I was there, the food looked so good. This one lady had this one big piece of fried chicken. It looked so good. And I'm looking all around here. And there used to be a time I couldn't be around that because I would be so weak, you know. It was a trigger, yeah. Yeah, and that was cool. And, And I don't want people to feel like, oh, I can't be around Adrian and eat. No, eat. It's cool. It's okay. You know, yeah. you do you. I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to talk about you. It's just when you come to me for coaching, it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. Yeah, because you need to. Because I didn't drag you in the room. Mm-hmm. You came to right. life. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, you, you wanted to come and this is what I have to offer. I don't know what else to yeah. tell you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's true. But, you know, I think one of the things that I also, and I'm not 100% uh, killing it, (laughs) to be honest, but one of the things that I'm actively working towards is to not take anything personal. I think, like, our ego is so easily, like, triggered and so easily, you know what I mean? And by, I think... Starting out, because you were talking about how, oh, I had all this anger because I just assumed this narrative in my head I made up about why they weren't around. I think the first step to not taking anything personal is to stop assuming, right? right? Um, To stop assuming that uh, this is your perceived reaction. I'm I'm filling in the blanks for you. Right. I'm, I'm making up the story and maybe sometimes we're right. Sometimes, sometimes maybe that person does feel that way about us or is saying those things about us in a, in a, you know, demeaning way or whatever, or maybe they, they really don't want to help us. Right. Like sometimes we are accurate, but I think if we just stop assuming, um, then you immediately stop taking things personal and that does translate to tranquility peace yeah. you know because you're exactly. you're just worried about your thoughts your own thoughts trying to disrupt those you're not worried now about let me get my thoughts straight or i'm also making up all these different stories about people around me mm-hmm. exactly. it leaves more room for self exactly yeah. yeah i think that comes with age too though yeah you know um sometimes i feel like i'm a late bloomer <laughs> so do but, i uh, <laughs> That, you know, and, and that's why I, I share with people, especially my, I have um, there are several of my son's friends because mm-hmm. he's an he's an only child. Mm-hmm. So his his friendships are they're like brothers. Mm-hmm. And so I've taken them all on as my sons and, mm-hmm. and they treat me like mom. And that's why I, I share with them a lot, you know, especially when it comes to relationships with women, you know, this. <laughs> But I, at their ages, they're like between the ages of 40. Well, I think the youngest is probably 32. And the oldest, I think, of his friends is 48. But I, I share with them because I don't want them here. I go with what I don't want for them. I would hope that. <laughs> yeah, my wish <laughs> for them. Yeah, my age that, you know, they, they would have more wisdom. But then, you know what, I think about it and I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be thinking what I'm supposed to think mm-hmm. at the exact time. Yeah. Yeah. Accepting our, our, our experience as is, is important. Um, I know there's a lot of, I, I'm not comfortable anymore with saying, oh, everything happens for a reason, because sometimes I feel like some horrible things should never happen. Right. There's, there's no actual reason why. People, you know, go through such horrible things and ugly things happen to them. But I do believe that you, you do, like you said, bloom in spite of those bad experiences. 
at exactly right. the time you're supposed to. And in some way, even those experiences do yeah. find way into why it is you're now, you know, blossoming at this age or why you're now thinking differently. Um, right. And I do. I feel the same way. I don't think, you know, sometimes I wish, gosh, if I could have just had a little bit of better understanding about this when I was younger, I would have just saved myself from having so many headaches and heartaches and, you know, just such difficulties. But I also don't know that it's... Yeah, because if you're looking for a reason, sometimes you're not going to get one. Yeah, yeah. So So I think that's where that is kind of problematic. Instead, maybe we could say, like, growth and beauty and knowledge can still come from... From something traumatic yeah. horrible or, situations traumatic yeah situations. yeah right. yeah right. and that, but i yeah. think that had i had that understanding before i don't know that i would have been ready to even receive it and apply it yeah. you know what i mean so yeah. having having that now is perfect for me because this is the time where I'm ready to receive it. This is the time where I'm willing to embrace it and apply it and work towards it. So, yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, um, I used to always tell Warren, I, I, I have to leave this earth before you because I, I couldn't handle it. I, I used to say that all the time and he would just smile and he'd just say, you never know until it happens. I never thought that I would be able to accept his transition. When I think about when we first got married, oh, you're love, oh, don't leave me and all of that. Uh-huh. And uh, <laughs> just to be able to flow through that, I'm so grateful. Mm-hmm. I, my heart is grateful. And when we had his uh, memorial service, people came up to me um, who hugged me. And I, my, my one stepdaughter, uh, Kamala, she said a friend of hers came through the line to, to greet us and she hugged me and she said, I never met your stepmom before, but I just felt her peace, mm-hmm. you know, and I would not have known that kind of peace had I not gone through what I went through. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm just grateful yeah. for all the lessons, Great. everything. Being grateful is also something else that I think we all, you know, feeling grateful in spite of, you know, yeah. grateful for, again, not necessarily the bad experiences, but right. being able to like, just being proud of yourself that you even went through it, you know, and yeah. survived it and came out stronger or, or even if you don't feel stronger, but you're still here, you know what I mean? And so just being grateful for that. Ah, well, this was wonderful. I know you have to get back to your, to your dad soon because she, she cares for her dad as well. Um, and, uh, it it was really good having you on. Thank you so much. I, I hope that whoever listens gets, um, that sense of peace that you transmit to me every time that I see something you share, because I, I know you're going through this journey of, you know, I just, I'm grateful and I want, I wish that for everybody else. And I feel that you've had super kind words to me in private, um, throughout the years. And I appreciate, um, I appreciate them. I appreciate them. So it was nice well, to have you on. Thank you. Thank I, you. I and it was so nice meeting you, my sister Queen. <laughs> I'll, I'll yeah. send her. I'll send her the link to your group because she has to join. She has to join and see all the good stuff you share. Oh, and I, I, you know, you're just you're just a jewel. But the times that we had the you know private conversation through mm-hmm. messaging and all of that. Um, my my heart's desire, you know, for you and your family mm-hmm. is uh, just God's blessings. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just God's blessings. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah, thank yes. you. This was good. Thank you. It was good catching up. Yeah, I yes, here, same here, same here. So, but um, I I love you all. Dearly. I love you so much. Honestly, thank yes. you so much. And I'm gonna okay. let our listeners know. When your when your episode goes live, I'm gonna link your page, um, tag you on it so that they can your book. Yeah, your book. Oh, yeah, because book. If, yeah. it's a it's a great way. Seriously, the book. It's a great way for anybody that wants to just maybe start learning about it and seeing how they can start applying it. 
That's, that's a good tool. That's a good tool to have. And, you know, the book is on um, Amazon. You can get the ebook. I think it's like four dollars and something. Okay. And um, you can download it. And then my uh, print copies, uh, you know, you can contact me to have one of those mailed if they want one of those mailed. Um, and then yeah. can you can you say the name of your book again for anybody that's listening if they want to go um, in? Uh, Keep It Simple, A Guide to Healthy Eating and Lifestyle. Okay. And if you just type that in or type in Adrian Shavers and it'll it'll pop up. Well, okay. thank you so much. Happy Say hello day. to your dad. Hey, <laughs> you too. Awesome conversation. Yes, thank you. Right. And we'll keep in touch. I'll still bug you here and there. <laughs> oh, it's not a problem at all. <laughs> thank you so much. All righty, thank you. Bye. 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 So she's really, really sweet. She's just a great person. I knew I knew it was going to be good talking to her. I just didn't know it was going to be this one. I'm learning a lot from these conversations. I know. Like, They're great people, aren't they, Ada? Do you like my friends? Yeah, I only associate with the best. <laughs> Do you love my friends? Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. I hope you come back to join our next conversation. But until then, be love and be safe.